of you who have just shared your heart, shared your concerns, uh, shared your, your pain a little bit, and yet you were very gracious to me and just talking and letting me find out. And already uh, we are going to be putting together how we can better serve you as a leadership, how as a staff we can better serve you, um, how we can have you be involved. And so I just want to thank you again for those that made appointments that you have uh, met with me. And uh, I have, again, uh, gotten to know more people and it's been great. By the way, um, if you still want to meet with me, again, contact the office. I would love to have Steve Flynn buy you coffee. Uh, that would be great. And uh, then in doing so, um, I get to know. And again, I don't want anyone to have this uh, concern uh, or, or fear or something that needs to be said or, or needs to be expressed. Please, please, please take me up on this. And again, just call the church office. Talk to Cindy. Cindy will make up an appointment and we will meet. And again, it's been a blessing just to meet with people and just be able to hear them. And so um, I'm looking forward um, just to meeting with many of you. Uh, we will be having uh, this week something. We'll go out, there's going to be some time where I'll be at a coffee shop where maybe you can come by, sit down, have some time, talk with me. Um, our hope is to move forward. And again, I want to say to the men, men, go out there and try. By the way, those men that got three chances at the cornhole, uh, that was because uh, Brett didn't understand. So we are honoring that you got 35% off of camp. You were only supposed to get one toss. Uh, guys, you should, those of you who are going to do it in between services, you get one toss, Brett. And in doing so, uh, on the deck is 5% and the hole is 15%. Uh, but thank you. to. We are honoring those of you that got 35%. Yeah, good job, Brett. Thank you. Uh, we're honoring that because Brett didn't get the memo, but uh, one toss gets you off. Guys, we really hope you will sign up for Men's Summit. Uh, we, we have some crazy things planned. Please sign up and then go see Brett for how many tosses? Okay. All right. I'm losing this one. All right. Uh, we're going to get into our message, and uh, we're going to be jumping in. We are in a new series uh, called Sacrifice, and Lindsay opened it up for us last week, the idea of being a sacrifice of our heart, uh, that this idea that, 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 that our hearts get sacrificed, and he walked us through that. By the way, the verses are up uh, today on version. If you want to go look at that, look at the apps, look under events, and you will see that there. We want to let you know that you can see all the verses. We have been going through this series called Equipped, and we're coming into kind of the home stretch a little bit. And we started off with this about this idea of being a disciple. And again, you will always be a disciple, right? But we talked about this idea that if you're going to be someone who learns from God, then you are a disciple. And then we talked about this idea of being in God's Word. And so we looked into that. And then we looked at this idea from God's Word that if it is this source by which we go from, then how do we become a servant? And how do we serve those around us? And so we did that. If you remember, Brett had the artwork with the towels of how do we come in and have that heart of a servant. And then we looked at this idea of prayer. Um, how do we have a prayer life? And we looked at different elements of prayer. And we looked at this idea of what it means to have corporate prayer, personal prayer, this part where we connect with God. And again, he's not some magic bubblegum machine. We put in the stuff, we get out what we want. But this, this idea that we, our heart connects to him and hears what he has to say. And then now we're in this section called sacrifice. This, heart called, this part called sacrifice is so important. And so today I have a responsibility and it's this idea of identity identity. And, and I want to say to you that as we look at this idea of identity, what we realize is, is that it's a hard thing to define. It really is. 
Uh, if you look at even the definitions in the, in the dictionary, it's really interesting how each of the different dictionaries will try to tackle this concept of identity. And, I, and I've, I've talked about this quite a bit over the years. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is one of like, oh, identity, I got it, I got it, I got it. This morning, God just met me again. He met me again. He just said, Jeff, where is your identity? So let me start off this way. I'll pick on my wife. It's always easier to pick on her. Um, my wife has many, many titles. Okay? She has a daughter. Uh, she's a sister. Uh, now she's an aunt. She's obviously a mother to boys, which, by the way, is totally different than being a mother to girls, right? Because that's a different identity. She's a wife. She honestly has incredible skills. So she's um, a writer and a speaker. She just spoke to a a Chinese uh, camp this last week and, and got to give her gifts that way. But what's interesting about that is that some of you understand that you start to look and we, we, we identify ourselves in different ways. For many people, it's like, no, I'm a mom, I'm a dad. But the problem is, is just like Jody and I, no, we're only a mother and a father to three boys. I'm not your father, right? She's not your mother. And so that doesn't fully, if I say Jody is a mother, that doesn't fully identify her. If I say she's a sister, that doesn't fully identify her. It does to her brother Todd. If I say she's a daughter, it does to her mom, Jan. So we put all of these pieces together and we try to be this. But what's interesting is when we try to say what are we, we actually become all these fragments that make up who we are. There's just not one thing. And some people go, but it's the name of who you are. So if you hear Jody or Jeff or anybody, you go, that's them. But we also know we're changing. Praise God, I'm not the same person I was when I was 18. Would you guys say amen to that? right? How many of you, there are people that only met you at 18, you're like, I'm so sorry, right? (laughs) See, it's interesting, this concept of identity. And so when we get to this idea, then we have a God that just kind of pushes into this concept of our identity. Because again, one of our problems could be is that we'll take one of these fragments and try to hang our life on that one peg. Man, I'm a business person. I'm an employee. I'm an employer. And sometimes it has to do with, I have education, so I have these letters behind my name. I'm a doctor, PhD, a master's degree. And sometimes people then hang it on those things because that's their achievement. Does that make sense? And somehow their achievement. But we've all met people who have those achievements. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily somebody that you want to have coffee with. Just because that's how we identify them with status doesn't mean, again, that's who we want them to be. So identity becomes this idea. So when we were talking about this idea of sacrificing our identity, it's really hard to even pin down what are we sacrificing. So let's walk into this, shall we? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. And right before this, um, what's happening is, is that, look, it goes, look, how did you come to know Jesus? That's the question that's right before this verse starts. Because when you found him, you were told to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. You were told to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. How you conducted yourself, how you did business, how you were were the family. 
Some of you are proud to be the black sheep of the family. Some of you are proud to be, is the other one white sheep? Is that the other one? I guess, right? We only, only hear black sheep, right? Some of you, it's like, no, I, my manner of life was about power and it was about, about uh, uh, obtaining things. For some, it's about service or having people close to you. But again, it said to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through its deceitful desires. And it's hard for us to realize that we have deceitful desires, but we do. And if you don't believe that, get a three-year-old around you and tell them not to touch something. And remember, you're not that far from them. And I mean that with all my heart. I look at a three-year-old and they say, don't touch that. The first thing they want to do with all their mind is touch that, right? Because you've told them what? And then we read in the Bible, God says, don't do these things. And all we want to do is do those things. We're not that far off. And, be, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. This renewal part is where we're going to be spending our time. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Watch this. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. Which means, wait a minute, who I am needs an upgrade. Who I am needs something. I need to put on a new self, but this new self is just not a different version of my identity. It has and is affected by the likeness of God. Interwoven in me needs to be this part of God in me, not just a new version, not just a cleaned up, spiffed up, bright white version. No, it is a version that actually starts to have God interwoven. My identity starts to have this come about. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And some of you have been believers for a long time. You're going, where does this new thing start? When does it really take place? Well, it has been taking place slowly as you have been transformed into this new being that hopefully begins to walk and talk like God. It's interesting. I don't see it. I was told once that Ethan walks just like me. I don't see it because I don't see myself walk. Does that make sense? So when I walk, I don't think I have a walk. But to them, they said, Ethan walks just like you, which tells me then I have a walk. Does that make sense? Have you ever noticed that in your kids? You look at somebody like, oh, they just are walking just like their mom or their dad. And you're like, and, and they don't know. But you do. You're like, oh, look at them. You can see them by their walk. You can know whose kid they are. Isn't that crazy? But isn't that awesome also? And that what should happen is, is the more time I spend with God, I begin to walk like him. By the way, my identity is being changed in that process because a part of me is changing to become like him. I'm being identified, look at this, I'm being identified not just with me, but with his markers on me, right? His markers on me. So, when our boys were born, Ethan came out, uh, I promise you, came out looking like he was three months old, full head of hair, parted over to the side, all set to go. Dark olive skin like his father, quite handsome, I thought. 
Is Ben in here? Love you, Ben. Love you so much. Love Ben right now. So we expected number two to come. Nope. Bald. Right? Did not look like a three-month-old coming out all white. That's where Ben goes, thank you, more family. Right? That's, the, the, that's Jody's side. And so we were shocked because we were ready, right? We were ready for the first one. Does that make sense? We're like, what is this? We came back online with Zach, back, dark. But here's what I want you to know. It is amazing to me how I can see I can see Jody's family and Ben, right? I look at him and I see her. I see her brother. I see her father. I see even her mom. I see these parts of him. And because the idea is that's how God has created him and the uniqueness of him. But guess what I also see in Ben? And I see in Ethan. I see their heavenly, their heavenly father in them. I see their heavenly father in them. And there are times when I can see them walking like their father, not me, him. And I identify them by those marks. The oldest passed away, behold, the new has come. Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself. In that denying himself, what's happening is, is that is anti-American, by the way. Just being honest. To deny myself? No, I should be getting everything there is. I shouldn't deny myself. If it's out there, I should grab it. If it's impossible, I should get it. If it's there, I should try it. Deny myself? Say no to myself? Say no to my urges? Say no to the things that I want to do? Watch this. Then Jesus told disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Meaning, I'm not putting myself first. I'm not putting my agenda first. I'm not putting my hopes and dreams first. I am denying himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is where we start talking about sacrificing identity. If you will lose yourself, you will find yourself. I know that math doesn't make sense, but it does in God's terms. When you lose Jeff, when you lose Jeff, but find him, then what he does is gives me a better version of Jeff. That's not my goal. My goal is to follow him, but in doing so by being with him, right? Now, I'm going to have you guys be a little bit honest. Uh, this might be uncomfortable for you, but, but it's okay because I think we're, we can be honest with each other. How many of you in high school got in with the wrong crowd? Raise your hand. Got in with the wrong crowd. Okay, thank you for being honest. In that moment, did you change by the people that you were around? Did you? Simply put, you started spending time with those people, therefore, you started doing things that, by the way, you probably thought you would never do. Or you tried things that you would have never tried six months, a year before you tried those things. Why? Simply put, you put yourself in there, and all of a sudden, that started becoming a part of your identity. I wish, I wish that more of us would go to the good crowd and have that happen, but it seems most of us are easily pulled down than we are lifted up. Seems to be something that happens. 
Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In losing my identity, I find out truly who I'm supposed to be. I find out who I'm supposed to be. Now, here we go. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So here's the deal. In this world, I can. I can become everything in this world. Have it all, do it all. There's a guy who did that in the Bible. His name is Solomon. And at the end, he called it this, a chasing after the wind. If you just want to say, hey, what would it be like to go after it all, do it all, try it all? There's a guy who did it, and he did it wholeheartedly. See what he says about it. At the end, he called it a chasing after the wind. But here's what's interesting. Again, if I, walk what it says, if a man gains the whole world, if I define myself by what I do in this world, this is what defines me. The problem is I'm probably finding one specific thing to hold everything on. I just am. There are men incredible at business. That doesn't mean they were always the best fathers. There are those who can be great fathers and, 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 and with other kids. Maybe that didn't always translate into business. I don't know. There's just things where I know you can't be all things. Things give. But I do know something. And that is... If I give it to him, he starts filling in gaps that I can't. So watch this. In Romans 6, 6 through 8, we have this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Say it again. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. This thing I used to feed. This thing that used to drive the machine is brought to nothing. Watch what happens next. So that we, know our lo- we are no longer enslaved to sin. Now, the Bible does say this. You are a slave whether you like it or not. You're either going to be a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. You don't get a choice. You are a slave to one of those two. Okay? But I want you to see this. Might be brought to Nothing. If I have hope in what this flesh can do, I'm going to be really disappointed. Yes, I might be able to speak or I might be able to lead things. But honestly, if it's about what this flesh can do, my flesh has no ability to get me to the next part. has no ability to get me to heaven. What is happening here? And if all my hope comes here, then I'm in deep trouble. So what God wants you to do is he goes, look, I want it to be brought to nothing that you don't rely on this. Because when you rely on this, you make bad choices. You think you'll be able to will yourself out of situations. You think you'll be able to talk yourselves out of situations. You think you'll be able to work yourself out of situations. And yes, in the earthly form, maybe you will be, but not when it comes to things that are going to matter for eternity. Watch. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. So here's the deal. Through the sacrifice, we actually get life. That's the math. Lose your life, you find it. But man, it's hard to let go of. I like being in control. 
I like having it my way. I wish everyone just would see it from my perspective. I wish that's what could take place. Again, if we die with Christ, we believe we also will live with him. And if I'm living with him, what's interesting is then I start having his identity. This is what we're talking about in sacrificing my identity. I want to become more like him, listen to this, and less like me. Chances are, chances are, you've done more damage to you than anyone else outside of you has done. Yes, I understand. There's some people who have some heart-wrenching stories of what other people have done to them, and I am so sorry for that. But the choices that we make inside of us, the thoughts that we dwell on, the pain that we live out of, or maybe even the stuff we sit in and will not move because we feel justified in being angry or, or hurt, and therefore we don't grow and we don't expand. And what we don't understand is that we hurt us. We sit in a place of rebellion, or we sit in a place of anger, or we sit in a place of, of unforgiveness. And we feel in the moment that we're righteous. You hurt me, therefore I'm not going to forgive you. But what we're doing is we're hurting ourselves. Right? So in this process, I believe that I have done more damage to me than people outside of me have done to me. Again, I'm not going to try to make that a blanket statement. I just believe ultimately that when I talk to people, they're the ones that... And so here's the thing. I want to become more like him. I don't want to become more like the person who can really hurt me. Does that make sense? Because if I become more like me, I'm going to stay in that selfishness, and I'm going to stay in that hurt, and I'm going to stay in that pain, or I'm going to stay in that sense of, like, I'm owed. I'm going to stay in this place of, it should be my way. Instead of me saying, God, why? I want to become like you. How do I turn the other cheek? How do I forgive seven times 70? How do I look down on a a crowd that is saying, crucify him, crucify him, and say to them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But we do know of another person named Stephen, as the rocks were being tossed at his head, said the very same things. Why? Because his identity was in Christ. Stephen looked at, by the way, one of them holding the jackets was this guy Paul. Oh, Saul became Paul. And said, Father, forgive them. Because his identity was more in Christ. I'm telling you, if Stephen would have been more like himself, he wouldn't have said those phrases. How do I sacrifice that part for that? In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within whom, sorry, within you, sorry, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you've been brought, bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, I want you to know this shocks people. The numbers, the big numbers and the little numbers were not in the original text. Okay? So when they wrote the Bible, it wasn't like Paul went, okay, chapter 20, verse 1. It's not how it happened. Problem is, sometimes when those numbers get in, they get put into awkward places, and because in doing so, we miss something. This is one of those times. I am going to highlight what this is. Verse 20 is in a break of the middle of a sentence. This is the sentence. You are not your own, for you were brought with a price. That's the sentence. Notice that verse 20 breaks that up. 
Let's say it. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Why is that significant? Because this is what I know. Sadly, throughout all of history, there has been a thing called slavery. Slavery has taken on many different forms. It could be a simple situation. You owed me money, couldn't pay me. Therefore, until you work it off, you're my slave. To the horrendous fact that there are people that have been gone in, captured, taken from their people, land, and been forced into slavery. We understand that, right? Here's what I want to say to you. But each one of those people, when they did that, they bought that person with a price. Therefore, they said, you are what? Mine. You're my property. I own you. Therefore, sadly, I get to do with you what I want. Okay? And because of the sinfulness of man, that typically never worked out well for the person who was bought. Can we all agree with that? Typically did not work out well. But look what it says. You were not your own. You were bought with a price. You were purchased. Guess what? Part of your identity is that someone bought me. And he bought me with his blood. And then he did something crazy. He said, once I bought you, you're mine. So I'm going to call you daughter. And I'm going to call you son. He bought us with a price and then changed the very paradigm and said, you're mine, I own you, but I would rather have you be my daughter or my son. Now watch this. Romans 14, 7 through 8. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. Really? Really? I thought this was all about me. We all are aware that our lives affect other people. Amen? Choices I make, things that I do. My life affects others. My death would hopefully affect others. For no one lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Because I'm his. How I live and how I die matters to the one who is over me. It matters. It matters. Now, Let's go back to my boys. Ethan just turned 19. Ben is 17. By the state of California and by the state of the United States, when Ben turns 18, he is in a thing called Anna. How many of you now at 18 felt like you were ready for the world at 18? Had it all, knew all the answers. So glad I got my card now. Now, okay, thank you. One person said yes. All right, they had it all down. But honestly, at 18 years old, we go, hey, 18, you're an adult. Have at it. And all of us who have kids go, oh, 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 that's funny. That's funny. Because we know them, right? We know they will still do stupid things. Ethan has a year on, has a couple years on Ben. Ben's not, Ethan's 19. He's been, by the way, he's got his first full year of adulthood out of the way. 
all the things that Ethan has learned. He is now fully not even ready for what's about to happen to him. And by the way, I'm 50, and I'm fully not ready for what's about to happen to me. See, that's the thing, is what does this look like for us? What does it look like? Well, here's the deal. He will always be my kid. He will always be my kid. Zach will always be my kid. Does that make sense? And I will always identify them as my children. And they can always identify with that's my dad. Because in that becomes something very powerful. Watch what takes place. Romans 8, 15 through 17. For if you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear... For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, what? Abba, Father. So Jesus comes in and goes, yes, I purchased you with my blood, but I didn't leave you as a slave. I now call you my child, and you get to call me daddy. That's what that word Abba means, right? Daddy. Now, why is that significant? Because it says this, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. This is not the first time I've talked on the subject to the point that Steve Flynn, if you go to Steve's email, Steve's email is sflynncog at gmail.com. Why? Because of what I'm about to tell you. All of your titles, mother, sister, daughter, husband, brother, uncle, uh, cool guy, right? Dallas Cowboy fan, the best fans of them all. All those titles do not define you. There are pieces of you, fragments of you. You put them all together, we get a picture of you. But again, you're not all those things at one time. You're different versions. But this is what I do know. At all times, in everything I do, I am a child of God. I am a child of God who is a father. A child of God who was a brother. I'm a child of God who is a son. I'm a child of God who is a father. I'm a child of God who is an uncle. I'm a child of God who is a pastor. I'm a child of God, yes, at one time was a sinner. Here's my identity. When you look at my life and I haven't stacked up, and trust me, I will not stack up, This is what I do. But he loves me. And therefore I'm good. It doesn't matter if I don't stack up. It doesn't matter if I blow it sometimes with my boys. It doesn't matter if I'm not always... No, it should matter. It doesn't sound right. It should matter. But when I mess up with my wife, he still loves me and forgives me. When I mess up as your pastor... He still loves me and forgives me. And he gives me my identity. That's my identity. I stand before you, Jeffrey Allen Harris, son to Ed and Sharon Harris, husband to Jody Harris, father to Ethan and to Ben and to Zachary Harris. But I stand before you as a child of the Most High God. And he is my greatest identity. And no matter what I do and no matter where I go, he gives me my value. 
and my significance. So what do I do? I die, sacrifice my identity to this world to claim my identity to his world, and then his world comes in and fulfills my identity in this world. Therefore, I don't work for you, I work for him. I'm hopefully a better husband because of him. Hopefully I'm a better husband because, a father because of him. Hopefully I'm a better son because of him. Because the more I walk with him and I die to self and become like him, then maybe I start to take on his characteristics and I love and I act in a completely different way. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. Notice, provided we suffer with him, meaning I'm willing to let my identity and the things of this earth step aside to be known by him. I don't protect myself on this earth to get all the things of this earth. I will put that aside to stand next to him. Watch this. In order that we also may be glorified with him. So, in our series of sacrifice, let me say this to you. May you leave here today believing with all your heart that when you sacrifice these elements, these segments, these fragments of who you are, and say, God, I don't want them to define me. I want you to define me. He comes into all those fragments, and he begins to move you in a way that you never thought possible. May we be a people that stand with our identity, our identity, not in all these things, but in him. And with that, let me pray. Heavenly Father.